0: We good? There we go. Uh, I just want to invite you, if you will, to extend your hands in a spirit of receptivity as we uh, come to the Word of God. Father, um, what we're about to do is um, at times inspiring, at other times convicting, but always transforming, because we're going to open your Word, the Book of Life, the Word of God. My prayer is that each of us, Lord, would have receptive hearts and minds, that our spirits would welcome you, not only into this room, but into our hearts, to our very thinking. And I pray, Father, as this word becomes alive in us, that it would change us and draw us nearer to you. So now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Thank you. Well, we're continuing our series of messages on facing your fears and today we're talking about facing your fear of loneliness. Joe Bailey who's one of my favorite authors wrote a piece entitled Psalm in a Hotel Room. It goes like this, I'm alone Lord, alone a thousand miles from home. There's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. No one to eat dinner with, laugh at my jokes, listen to my gripes, be happy about me with what happened today, and say that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and a slush in the street outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself, and I have plenty of reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it, praise the Lord, things are great, but they're not. Tonight, it's all gray slush. That's probably the best description I've ever heard of loneliness, gray slush. The thing about loneliness is you don't have to be a thousand miles away from home in a hotel room to experience it. Researchers, specifically sociologists and psychologists, reveal that loneliness is the most common emotional pain that human beings feel. Now since preparing for this sermon last week, I've kind of had my antenna up to look for loneliness and I discovered that it's all around me. Uh, Whether you're seeing somebody drive by in a car or walk by, people seem to be lonely. People eating by themselves in restaurants, people listening to country and western music, right? That'll make you lonely. You know, you know. I lost my dog, I lost my wife, and God forbid I lost my truck, you know. <laughs> TV shows like Bachelor and Bachelorette, trying to find connections. Uh, many years ago, when I was a youth pastor, um, back in San Diego in the early 70s, I did a ministry that was called Operation Night Watch, myself and another guy. We put on our clerical collars. We'd headquarter, headquarter in the, uh, 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 in the um, what was the, yeah, the gap, gas lamp district in, in San Diego. And then we would go from 10 p.m. until 4 a.m. when the bars closed, and we'd go to all the bars and just sit there. And people would come to us and talk to us. But what I discovered in those many, many weeks that we did that is this un compromising, crushing loneliness that people feel. Loneliness all around us. I ran into a friend last week when I was getting gas and uh, I, uh, after we had a little conversation, I I said, you look, you look sad to me. And she said, "Uh, well, I am. I said, well, why are you sad? And she said, because I'm alone. And really, I feel like I'm alone all the time. Cold, gray slush. Here's the reality, and this reality I would love to impress upon you today from God's Word. God made us to be connected to Him and to each other. He made us for relationships. Now, let me give you a little Bible trivia, and, and when you, if you know the answer, keep it yourself. Don't say it out loud right now. Here's the Bible trivia. What is the first thing that God pronounced not good? Okay, don't say it out loud. A hint, it wasn't pickles or mosquitoes or the Kardashians. That came later. All those things were pronounced not good much later. But, uh, so what is the answer to that? Anybody know? The first That's the first bachelor. Yeah, uh, Adam's loneliness. God created Adam, he breathed into life in this lump of clay, he breathed into life, It became a human being, and and, and remember, Adam lived in this utopia, this Xanadu, this perfect Edenic place on earth where there was no sin, everything was beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful, amazing, and even in that, there was something that was not good, and it was Adam's loneliness. And so God created a woman... Or as Adam said when he saw her, whoa, man. Uh, yeah, and, uh, but loneliness is not good. Loneliness is uncomfortable. It's not fun. Now, I don't have to tell most of you that. You know it instinctively because you've experienced loneliness in your life. All of you have felt the pain of loneliness sometime in your life. Maybe you're a single person living in a world of married people, couples and families. I know every February when we do our jazz and chocolate, I have different people in the church tell me, you know what, we're not going to come to that event. And I'll say, well, why is that? Well, it's for couples. Well, and it's not, but that's the impression they get and they just don't want to put themselves in that position. Or when I do a series of messages on marriage, which is at least once a year, I have, other, I have single people tell me, you know what, this isn't for me. But I say, but it's about relationships. Say, yeah, but we always feel lonely when we talk about marriage and families. Maybe you're lonely because you've moved to a new area. Maybe you're lonely because of a recent divorce or loss of a loved one. Maybe loneliness is a result of a lack of intimacy. Maybe you are married. Maybe you do have children, but even in that context, even in that family, you feel a sense of being alone. Maybe you're lonely because you feel far, far away from God. One of the great Psalms, uh, Psalm 75, the psalmist says this, he says, the Lord is near. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? The Lord is near, but no matter how much you as a Christ follower might believe that, might even think that, might even hear that, you say to yourself in your very honest moments, I just don't feel it. I don't feel like the Lord is near. I feel like He's a million miles away. Loneliness is being disconnected from God and people. Today, we're going to face the fear of loneliness. We're going to learn that we can reduce that pain of loneliness. We can't completely eliminate it. Loneliness, part of it, is a function of being on this blue rock, this kingdom of man, this broken world. So that's part of it. But for the most part, as Christ followers, we can learn that the pain of loneliness does not have to be our constant companion. And I want to do that by looking at three resources that God has given us in His Word. Three resources that God has given us to face loneliness. And the first resource is this. God has given us His presence to live in. God has given us His presence to live in. God wants you to know that loneliness is optional. And one of the things God has given us to remedy loneliness is His very real presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence within me. The Bible says that when we open our lives to Jesus Christ and invite Him to forgive our sins and to be our leader, that God's Spirit moves in and becomes a permanent resident in our lives. For those of you that this sounds like brand new information to you or you've never heard about this idea that you can literally have Jesus Christ live in your heart, I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the close of the service and how you can actually experience that reality. So many times you look in the Old Testament and in the Old Testament it's like people are always looking for God. Like where did he go? In, in in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve said, Adam Adam and Eve said, where, "Where's God? Okay, where is he?" And they're always looking for Moses. Looking for God, found him in a burning bush. Later, Moses, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, they looked for God in uh, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. They're always looking for God somewhere out there. It was kind of this exterior presence the New Testament, because Jesus Christ, when He died for our sins on the cross, when He shed His blood that we might have life and have redemption, when we experience that, all of a sudden, everything became different. Instead of God being up there and around us, God is now in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ's presence within us. It's not just beside us or above us, but Christ within us. Listen to these two verses in uh, the Scriptures 1 Corinthians 6.19, both of these, by the way, are in your sermon notes. They're on the screen. And I always want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, your smartphones, your iPads, to look at those and read the Scripture along with us. But this is 1 Corinthians 6.9. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's a weird phrase, right? Your body, our bodies, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells. And then he goes on and says, Who is in you, whom you have received from God? Don't you know that it's the Holy Spirit is in you and it's, you have received from God, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. And then Jesus is speaking in John chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus says. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, Jesus was about ready to leave the planet, right? He was gonna go up and be with his father after the resurrection, the ascension took place. But he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to leave my presence with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who will always be with you, the one who will always have your back, the Holy Spirit will be with you, not around you or not above you, but in you. So we go on, he says, the Spirit of truth. I will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you, Christ followers, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you alone. John chapter 14 verses 16 to 18. isn't that beautiful? He lives with you, he will be in within you. I will not leave you alone. Is that clear or what? The presence of God in you The point is this: we have a lifelong companion if we embrace Jesus. The Spirit of God is not living in our neighborhood, or in the bushes, or in the cat, God forbid, right? Or around us, or beside us, or even near us. But He is within us. What a glorious good news that is. Here's our problem. Our problem is that we don't recognize it. The Spirit of the living God can live in you, take possession of you, and you're not even aware of it, or you're not even thinking about it. We need to recognize and experience His presence in our lives. Now, here's the most important thing I want to say this morning. If you remember nothing else, remember this, and it's this. Loneliness is God's invitation for you to get better acquainted with Him. Let me say that again. Loneliness is God's invitation for you to get better acquainted with Him. One of the church fathers, uh, Brother Lawrence, he was called, He wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. Here's what Brother Lawrence said. If you belong to Jesus, you will never have to be lonely. Isn't that beautiful? Loneliness says I'm not experiencing the presence and the companionship of God. Maybe I'm looking for human beings to satisfy a longing, an emptiness that only God can fill. Please hear this. There is not a person or event or experience or thrill that can satisfy our deepest need for intimacy, only God can. Now, there's nothing wrong with having intimate relationships with human beings. We love that. We need Jesus with skin on, right? We know that. We know that we need each other. But if we try to look for our deepest soul needs to be met by another human being, it will fail every time. Only God can meet those needs. Pastor, how can I find that intimacy with God? What is the antidote to loneliness? Well, let me share with you two things. Two antidotes to loneliness. The first is this, is prayer. I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds simplistic, but it is so powerfully true. Prayer is your right, privilege, to literally speak to the eternal God and have Him speak to you. That's what prayer is. It's sitting down alone, removing the distractions. As as G.K. Chesterton said, Think think magnificently of God. You sit there, you think of God, and you simply have a conversation with him. Lord, this is what I'm needing. This is what I'm feeling. This is where I'm hurting. We have that conversation with God, and that will build an intimacy in you that is profound. God wants to be intimate with you. He wants to know you. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. But not only do we have prayer as a resource to know God and know him well, we also have God's word to get to know Him. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is God-breathed. It is Jesus in written form. Jeremiah 31.3, we read these words, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. God says, I will give you what you need with you in a relationship. When you pray, when you go to the Word of God, I will experience, you will experience that presence and that personal life in you. When our uh, youngest son, Tyler, was eight years old, he had had, all through his childhood, he had had a series of ear infections, and some of your kids maybe have had that as well. And finally, the doctor said, you know what? We're gonna have to take out his eustachian tubes, replace them, and he'll be okay. He won't have those anymore. So we finally decided to go ahead and do that, and uh, we did. And uh, uh, Tyler was very anxious about this. He'd never had surgery, of course. He was afraid. Uh, Uh, And Sherry said, honey, I'll be with you. I'll not only be with you, when you wake up, I'll be right there. He said, wake up, what do you mean? Well, they're gonna put you to sleep. Well, will I wake, are you sure I'm gonna wake up? Very, I mean, an eight-year-old is very anxious about, will it hurt, all of these things? And finally, Sherry said, honey, I'm gonna be right with you. Listen, Jesus is with you right now. Do you know that? Yes, I know that, mommy. Okay, Jesus, Jesus will be with you when you're asleep, right? Yes, he will, okay. Okay, so they put him under, they replace his tubes, as he's coming to, as he's kind of waking up, the first, he looks at his mommy, and the first thing he says is, Jesus was with me. You know, He knew it. He believed it. It was part of his soul. And don't you wish we had the faith like little children? So often we say, yeah, I think God's hanging around me. No, no, no. If you're a Christ follower, he has taken up residence in your life. Acknowledge it. Believe it. Receive it. Enjoy it. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. God has given us His presence to live in. The second thing we see is that God has given us His people to live with. God has given us His people to live with. Now, the people around you are God's gift to you. Okay, some of you are going, yeah, right, you don't know this person very well. No, these people around you are God's gift to you. In fact, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's gift to me. Now, there is a... um, no gift return policy, so uh, we're, not, we're not going there. But I, I think sometimes we forget that um, the body of Christ is God's way of keeping us, giving us this healthy relationship with other human beings. God in His wisdom put the church into motion because as God knows, and He knows us, He knows our need for relationships. He knows that without meaningful contact with others, we shrivel up inside and we die. We need other people, or else either that or we create a fictional friend like, you know, Wilson in The Castaway. You know, we'll have some imaginary friend. We need each other. Now I'm all for progress. I am. I have seen a lot of things in my years on this planet. And one of the things we have seen remarkably change in the last 10 years is technology. In 1966, when I was a freshman in college, I took a computer class called Fortran 4. And I said to my, I said to my instructor, "This will never work. This is ridiculous. You know, all these huge computers. You put in a punch card. You put it in, and it spits out. So this will never work." Well, we come to 2014, and you have your iPhones, and you have your smartphones, and you have your iPads, you have your computers. We have instant messaging. We have text messaging. We have actually, you can. Call somebody on a phone and talk to them. Uh, we have uh, FaceTime, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, uh, we have all of this stuff. And you know what? That, that, that's all great. But another, you could go for days and never another, have to talk to another human being, right? With all of this technology, but smartphones can't hug you when you're grieving, and they can't care for you when you're hurting, and they can't affirm you when you're down, or confront you when you're wrong. That's why God called us into a family. Believers called the church. Our responsibility and privilege is to connect with others in the body of Christ. Uh, a, a while back, maybe it was a year ago, uh, there was a, a gal who called my secretary and said I'd like an appointment with the pastor, and so she made an appointment, and I forget what her name was, but uh, she came in, I didn't recognize the name, but I mean, I feel, well, I just missed them. They're new and I didn't get their name yet. So she came in and to me, I, I was pretty sure I'd never seen her before. And so let's call her, um, we'll call her uh, Joni. Okay, I don't know what, remember what it is. So Joni comes in and, uh, and says, hi, Pastor Dwayne. She gives me a hug and, uh, and I'm always up for hugs, so that's good. And we sit down in my office and I say, Joni, I'm sorry, but I don't remember meeting you. Oh, we, we've never met, but I've been going to your church for about a year. I said, really? And I've never seen you? Oh, she said, no, I've never been inside the building, but I've been going to your church for a year. I listen to every sermon online, and I make comments, you know, all that. And here was a person who I'd never met, who'd never met any of you, and she felt like she was part of the body of Christ. You know what? God bless her. And and, and I tried to minister to her. But you know what? It's not the same. It's not the same. We need each other. We need each other. When we first um, came to uh, uh, Chandler in 2000, I had just come off of those three years of healing after my gambling addiction. I was still pretty raw, and I still needed some accountability. So I found another pastor by the name of Rich and another uh, seminary professor by the name of Steve Tracy who wrote the material Mending the Soul. And the three of us were in a discipleship and accountability group for several years. And we needed that. We needed each other. We need face-to-face time. We need somebody to say, you know what? Are you treating your wife the right way? Are you staying away from casinos? Are you staying away from pornography? We were the, had that kind of honest relationship with each other. We needed that kind of accountability. We need people in our marriage. Sherry and I have been married for forty-four years. We love each other, but there are times that she's so annoying. I mean, there are times that I am so annoying to her that you know you can't hardly believe it. And uh, but so we need to constantly work on our relationship. In a vacuum, if you just don't do anything, it it, it decreases. It's kind of like the second law of thermodynamics. It becomes less and less organized and less and less good unless you pay attention to it. And so last summer, we went on our first vision retreat for our marriage. We have a vision for our marriage. We know why God put us together. We know what God wants us for, and it's just made all the difference in the world in the way that we treat each other, the way that we love each other. We pay attention to our relationships. We do with each other, with our children, our grandchildren. We do that with you. We pay attention to our relationships. That's what God intended for us to experience. So take the initiative. Join a small group. We have right now. We have Bible studies going on in the other rooms. First service, we have Bible studies, youth group going on in all the rooms. Children's ministry is going on over here right now. Uh, We have uh, at least a dozen small groups all over the East Valley uh, during the week. We well, can go to a grow group or a small group. These are ways to get you connected to the body of Christ. People that just come and go to worship, we appreciate you, we love you, and all that, but you're not really getting involved in the ministry in the heart of the church because we need each other. Take the initiative. Join a small group. In, the, in January, we're going to start Alpha. We're going to have a powerful Alpha ministry. Go to Alpha. Go to a core class. Reach out to someone. Assume responsibility for your life. You need people, and people need you. We need you. I would tell you, every one of you, I need you. I need you to serve in the church. I need you to be connected. I need you to be connected to God. That's how we work as the body of Christ. The author of Ecclesiastes said it this way, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is is there to help. So I want to challenge you to take the next step and becoming a part of the body of Christ. Decide right now that Sunday involvement is not going to be enough for you. We need each other. On Sunday, December 7th, we're receiving new members. We have a a large membership class. I think there's somewhere between 16 and 20 new members. And they'll stand up here before you and say, Hey, we're committed to Christ. We're committed to this church. We are committed. We are all in. And I love that. When people say, you know what? I'm not just going to sit back and just kind of be an observer. I'm going to be a participant. I'm going to be a member of the body of Christ because God has created you to be in relationships. And you can find amazing people in the body of Christ. We need to say constantly to ourselves and to each other, I need to connect with others in a meaningful and relational way. Small groups, teams, we need you. God needs you. Uh, God has given us his people to live with. And finally... God has given us his purpose to live for. God has given us his purpose to live for. I mean, if you really wanna deal with your loneliness, we've gotta do something about it. We've gotta devote ourselves to the cause of Christ, to invest ourselves in the ministry of the church and invest our lives in people who are lost and far from God. We need to do what God has purposed us to do. We need to do what God has put us on this planet to do. He's he's made all of us ambassadors to carry the good news of God's reconciling love to the world and to share that with people who have not yet heard the good news. We have a purpose. You say, well, pastor, if I knew my purpose, I would do it. You know what? You already know your purpose. I mean, you can't hang around our church long enough without hearing what your purpose is. In fact, there's five purposes we've talked about. One purpose is what we've already done today. Worship. Because you are designed to love God. Fellowship. Because you were designed to love others. Discipleship, because you were designed to grow in your faith. Ministry, because you were designed to serve with your hands and with your feet. And mission, because you were designed to share the good news of Christ's love with others. If you're following God's purpose, you don't have time to be lonely. You'll be exhausted just trying to do God's purpose, right? We need God's purpose to be forefront in our lives. So, let me give you a formula for loneliness. And if this rings a bell, there's something you can do about that because loneliness is optional. Here's the formula for loneliness live for yourself, okay? First and foremost, live for yourself. Reduce life down to going to work, eating, watching TV, and going to bed, and then somehow try to have fun on the weekends. That is the formula for loneliness. And believe me, it doesn't work. And you know it doesn't work because you've tried it. Conversely, here's the formula for unloneliness. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Get involved. Get connected. You know what God's purpose is all for your life. Do those purposes. Live out the way God intended you to live. God has called us to connect to Him, God has called us to connect to each other and God has called us to be a witness to the world to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Now, did you know that when you get to heaven there's only two things you won't do. Now, that's assuming they have fishing in heaven, which I hope they do. There's only two things you won't do in heaven. One thing is you won't sin. Okay? Because there will be no present sin, there will be no presence of sin. You'll be there perfect for all eternity with Jesus and with all other believers. So you will not see The other thing you won't do in heaven is you won't bear witness to the love of Jesus. I mean, you won't tell people about Jesus because he's already there and because they're already there. Now, which one of those two activities do you think God has placed in our hearts to do here on this earth before we get to heaven? Well, if you need a quiz, you know, you, you know which one it is. God has purposed us to bear witness to the love of Jesus. That's why you're still breathing. That's why you're still on this planet. That's why God has still given you life so you can bear witness to the love of Jesus. God has given us a purpose to love him. If you're battling loneliness, don't just sit there. Really, do something. Do something for which God has created you to do. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Loneliness is not good. But the good news is loneliness is optional. God's remedy, God's presence, God's people, God's purpose are there to remedy your loneliness. So what's the next step? Ask yourself this question, maybe a series of questions. Ask yourself, am I lonely because I've distanced myself from other believers? I run into people all the time that tell me that uh, they believe in God, they, they usually say one of two things, either they believe in God or they are Christ followers, they're Christians, but they don't go to church. They've distanced themselves from other believers. And you know, the old, you know the old story. You know, if I'm out in my backyard barbecuing a steak and I put all my charcoal briquettes in there, I still do it the old school way, Jim, the way God intended, charcoal briquettes, you know, and if you take one of those briquettes that's on fire, that's burning orange, and you take it and set it off by itself, it's going to become cold, and it's going to become ash. Don't do that. You separate yourself from the body of Christ, you'll become cold. So, have I distanced myself from other believers? What are you going to do about that? Or, maybe another question, have you stayed on the sidelines too long? Well, I go to church, and I love the church, but I just don't really get involved Well, what need can you meet? God has given you a purpose. What need can you meet? What person can you share the good news with? Or maybe the final question is this, have I distanced myself from God? Or maybe you ask this question, you know, Pastor Dwayne, all this stuff sounds really intriguing to me, but I, I just don't know if I've experienced what you're talking about. I don't know if I've experienced Christ in my life. At this point, I would ask those of you who are believers to pray with me. And I want to just talk to those of you for a moment who maybe this is brand new information or maybe you've never pulled the trigger on your faith. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. You know about Jesus, you know about God, but you've never said yes. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to dwell in me. God never intended you to be lonely or isolated from others. Just the opposite is true. God invites you to discover the end of all loneliness in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When you receive Him as your personal Savior and Lord, you become part of God's family, and you become part of believers all over the world. He calls you into a community of Christ followers. God offers His his all-encompassing love to all who know Him, as personal Lord and Savior. Again, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Imagine for a moment what it means to be a personal friend of God. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And as you do, I would just like you to think of that question for a moment. Imagine what it would be like to be a personal friend of God. That you would know God personally. Well, here's the good news today on this message about loneliness you can know God personally. He is as close as a prayer away. The Bible says that God cannot lie, and that when He says, If you trust in me, I will come into your life and I will transform you, He will do that. So now I'm just talking to those of you who maybe have never made that personal commitment to Jesus or maybe you've never understood it completely, and you say, you know, Pastor Duane, I do feel the Lord really doing something in my heart. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm willing to take that step of faith and pray that prayer of faith. So I would just invite you to pray with me a very simple prayer, not out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart, something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. My life is broken, and I feel lonely, And there are times that I feel afraid. And this morning, I desire, by faith, to invite God through His Son, Jesus Christ, into my heart, into my life, to forgive my sins, to redeem me, and to give me life everlasting. And so by faith, I pray that Jesus Christ would come into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Lord for your love. With your eyes still closed and your heads bowed, I would just like to ask those of you who prayed that prayer this morning, I would like to know that so that I can pray for you. So believers are praying. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and as you raise your hand, just look up at me. No one else is looking around so that I can pray for you. Would you please raise your hand? Yes, God bless you. And Back there, thank you. God bless you. Over here. Oh, Father, how thankful we are for these who have said yes to you. Lord, the Bible says that when one person says yes to God, when one person receives Christ as Lord, that all of the angels in heaven rejoice and sing. And, Father, we heard those those that rejoice, that rejoicing the singing of angels Uh, just now, Lord, as these people said yes to you. Father, we thank you. And we praise you and we bless your name. Now, Lord, for those of us who have experienced loneliness, we pray that you would not only come into our lives, but help us to understand that Christ is alive within us. His presence is very much alive within us. May we embrace that and live for him in all that we say and all that we do. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We'd like to invite uh, you now to participate in the giving of our tithes and offerings. If you're a new person in our church today, we don't want your money. Uh, We're just glad that you're here. We ask everyone else to give generously and sacrificially to the work of Hope Covenant Church.